Okay. All right, folks. I think you're being treated here to a little bit of... Okay. Well, hi, everybody. It's Brent Stafford here from RegWatch right, by RegulatorWatch.com. You're being treated here to... And uh, this is a total, what we call impromptu. And I figured we call it a book rant because I'm going to read some books. I know. Exciting as hell, isn't it? Uh, and actually, you know, this is going to be an opportunity for me to actually look and see uh, at the chat while it's going on. Obviously, when we're doing the interviews, our format is not one for me to engage our fine viewers, you fine sirs and ladies out there, and some kids and a few wackos, I'm sure. But uh, I definitely want to hear from you. This is completely unplanned, uh, and I don't want to take away from people who should be watching our exclusive interview with Linda Bald, uh, professor of public health at University of Edinburgh and co-author of Public Health England's 2020 Evidence Update on Vaping, and she was co-author on the Royal College of Physicians uh, report in 2016, which was Nicotine Without Smoke Fantastic. I mean, it just, you know, stuck the stake in the ground when it came to um, vaping um, as a tool for harm reduction. But I thought I would come on and vent a little bit, unstructured. All right, let's see here. <clears throat> We've got a few people on. Clayton, Draper, Darlene, and Tula, my mom. <laughs> Hi, Mom, I haven't seen you in a while. You're going to get a phone call, actually, pretty soon here. Not today. It's going to have to be tomorrow. And that is because Facebook today, I was greeted by Facebook shutting down my advertising account. RegWatch has been shut down uh, for all advertising. And um, a really snide-ass comment from uh, Facebook said that for our continued and repeated, our consistent infringing of their uh, guidelines, which means throughout the past, they've reviewed it and they said retroactively, all of those ads that uh, we uh, allowed you to spend money on to promote your vaping videos and others too as well, um, we don't like that content anymore. And you've been infringing on our guidelines the whole time and um, we're turning off your ad account. That's it. You cannot reach outside of your bubble no more, son. That's what Facebook has said. Now, they could have been a little bit upset, potentially, from the Wet'suwet'en content that we've been putting out there talking, trying to get the conversation going with Canadians about these issues. Otherwise, there's just only one side. You're white, you're bad. That's it. Okay, what do we do from there? I'm not white, I'm 18. <laughs> you know, so I'm, you know, I'm not even technically, I'm skin's white, but blood's red, baby. So, um, yeah, Facebook, uh, they've got a problem. But then, of course, you know, it's all the pansy-ass people out there that, you know, are on their Facebook and they get, come across a, a sponsored video by Regulator Watch, which were credited for social issues. All of our stuff's above board and factual. Um, not only that, I mean, it's, it's all straight up. You guys know our stuff. It's not like we're running around screaming, you know, swear words and shit and calling people Nazis. <laughs> right. That's them that do that. They're the ones that point. Oh, I'm pointing. Ah, they're the ones that point and call people Nazis and racists. 
when all they want to do is have a conversation about what's going on. So we'll have to see. I don't hold out a whole lot of hope for Facebook. I'll be downloading all of our Facebook data across all of our regulator watch accounts, including, of course, my personal account and our personal RegWatch corporate account, too, as well. Because if we all remember last October, Facebook dealt us a 30-day complete total shutdown as soon as we started uh, reporting about the CDC and their wonderful uh, lie that they told, which cost people's lives. So again, you definitely want to watch Linda Ball today, our exclusive interview with her. She's talking about the PHE, Public Health England's report. She has lots to say on all the issues. And of course, a lot to say too for Health Canada, FDA. I didn't get her to give a message for CDC though. That, I would have felt really cruel and heartless if I'd done that. Um, let me just check over here. So again, unstructured, no script. Let's see here who we got on. So the new gear is starting to work out fairly decently, although uh, there's a lot of setup to do. That was guessed. So let's do that. And, uh, but as the setting up is happening, it is doing its job, which is very good. Now I just need a switch. This to that. So every time I uh, I go to this effect here, uh, I'm going to have to just take that second to make that little bit of a switch. All right. So actually, I was just checking here on YouTube. So we can have... There we go. All right. Big Red, I love Reg Rants. Okay. Well, I promise you, I promise... I've got a stack of books that have been sitting right here. And I've got to lug them home. Because my bookshelves, huge rosewood bookshelves, on the side of my uh, wall of my condo, it's got all these holes in it, and I need to organize my books. So taking these back. So we're going to go through a few of these, and there's definitely some quotes in here. So Big Red and everybody else, that is definitely going to be the case. Ah, crap. Now when I switch back to that shot, I knew I should have fixed that. Some of these things, man, I'll tell you, this, this gear that we've got, here now powering RegWatch, it's monster gear. It's fantastic. So, and it's pro, meaning that once it's set, it's set. All right. Book rant. What's up, peeps? Wonder what book, David Hunston. All right. Going to be a couple. Hope it's about progressives, Deborah. Hope it's about progressives. I wonder what the chances are of that. Yes, yes, yes. Deborah, hi. All right. Hey, okay. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Pup, pup, man. Ideas are more powerful than guns. We would not let our enemies have guns. Why should we let them have ideas? Joseph Stalin. Oh, man. Oh, pup, pup, man. You definitely, you definitely brought some ammunition to the table there for sure. Let's just see here on Facebook. Ooh, that's weird. What's the delay? Well, I guess about 30 seconds. Uh, Anthony, I'm watching the video from earlier as we talk. Great. You should be listening to Linda Bald. And uh, censorship at its finest, Steve Thompson. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. You know, the whole um, with Soatin issues that we've been covering uh, over the last couple of weeks. Frankly, folks, I have to tell you. Canada, well, the West, as we know, 
is in such great peril, um, it's hard to even put a fine word to it. But here in Canada, we're talking $150 billion in resource projects over the last 15 years, maybe, maybe less, have uh, all been turfed as a result of this whole uh, environmental lunacy. And I mean, I think calling it a lunacy, I think is just, uh, I mean, it, I don't want to say it's not doing it justice. I think what it is, it's just, it's just me trying to hide just how truly ugly this is. Because you, the only way you can describe this is communist. It truly is. It's, it's radical. It's communist. So if we look through the line, and I know I've talked to you about the line before in the past, and you know, at one point you might have been taught in school that the line, left and right, isn't really a straight line. It's a horseshoe, right? It bends down. So if you go all the way far to the left and all the way far to the right, then they almost meet. And that's what explains why the left, the far left and the far right, seem to always look and sound, scream and fight exactly the same way. That's because it's a horseshoe, right? Well, that's all a bunch of horses ass right there. The reason why the far left and the far right sound, look and fight and scream the same is because they're the same. They're cut from the exact same collectivist mold. This is the line of collectivism. This is the line of progressivism. So the far left, communist. Then you've got socialist. And then you could put progressives right there. And then fascists right there on the far right. But there's no conservative anywhere on that line. Conservatives don't sit on that line. You don't just go all the way. You just start moving to the right. And then, you know, you're conservative, free market capitalist. And then, oops, I'm a Nazi. That's not how it works. <laughs> but as you travel along that communist, socialist, progressive line, you hit Nazi pretty freaking quick. That's the dealio, right? Now... I've come to believe that even that explanation isn't entirely accurate. What is more accurate is that progressives are above communist, socialist, fascist. It's the progressivism is actually the thread that cuts through all of it because communists, socialists, and fascists are all historical determinists. They all believe in this march forward. That march forward is always progress. And for all three, it's the progress of making a better man, making better human beings, making better people, making a better world, making a better society. Why can't just we make it all better? And then for those that don't want to play along and march along that, that's when the p happens. Because, you know, you're dehumanized at that point, right? You're not really a person. You're not, you're not a thing. You're such an enemy. See, they're the ones that are always screaming. It's just so brutal. They're always saying, oh, you on the right, you are always othering. You're othering all the time. Other, 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 other. No, the left others. Progressives other. They are the masters of othering. It is their technique is to other. 
That's what do you think identity politics is? It's not inclusion. It's othering. It's a process of othering. So it's just full of total crap when they say that uh, conservatives other. Oh, it's just unbelievable. Um, so if you are a part of the other, what happens is that in the process of othering, the, the group, the ideology that's doing the othering seeks to normalize itself and it seeks to ex-nominate all viable alternatives. So the process of ex-nomination is the process of dehumanization. So when you ex-nominate, it's not like you're like, okay, we're not going to talk about them. We're not going to talk about that other. It starts there, but that's not really what it is. What it is, is the ex-nomination is erasing the other from all viable alternatives. It's not a viable alternative. It's not even something that you can even consider that is possible. It is so not viable. And that's how they construct the, um, everybody that's opposite on the other. So in Canada, for instance, all resource development is another, of course. If you're white, you're another. If, um, if you don't believe in uh, total diversity and inclusivity, you are the other. And we're in a process right now where I will just use terms like traditional, regular, ordinary Canadians are being ex-nominated from the culture, from the dialogue. Um, and sooner or later, we, well, we already are in their minds. We're already not viable. We and our positions and how we think are not viable. So they're doing everything they can to push us out. And that's what the communists did. And, you know, eventually, you know, it does lead to terror. Terror is the tool of communism. Now, I'd like to make sure that I mention, though, that the communists didn't invent terror. And don't listen to the left or progressives if they want to start talking about the Crusades and this and that. And terror's always been around. Terror in terms of how it's used politically in, a, in an ideological battle and in a process of ex-nominating all viable alternatives, that, my friends, is only about 250 years old, and you can thank the French. It is from the French Revolution, the Public Safety Committee, and Robespierre. 100%. I mean, that's historical fact. You can, you know, read Lenin and Stalin and, and everything else, and they'll talk about terror, and they'll talk about their implementation of terror, and they'll directly link it right back to the French Revolution. So I guess in that respect, a bunch of white people did create terror, but they were French. I <laughs> uh, wonder why Canada has a few problems. Now, I've got to like our Francophone uh, friends over there. Um, by the way, let me just point this out, considering the fact that Facebook, you know, potentially could just kick us off completely. I want to get this out right away. We also had Maxime Bernier on the show uh, last week, and uh, I'm certain that that caused a few problems for some of the uh, snowflakes out there that might have seen some of the sponsored uh, video posts that we did uh, with Maxine's video. But we got it out there. It was over 20,000 views, a lot of comments. I just finished going through all of the comments 
on there. And yeah, there were some hard ones and there were some good ones and there was some dialogue going on. And that's what's supposed to happen. So by removing our ability to create this kind of content and then put it out there through a few ad dollars and get it outside of the RegWatch bubble and get it into the ecosphere of Facebook, right? It allows a conversation to happen around that. And it doesn't need, I mean, there's no, there was no stormtroopers coming in and screaming. There really wasn't. The vast majority were pretty hard from the other side. And then some people coming in and, and trying to mop up the mess a little bit. But, you know, that's where our ad dollars go. We, we, we create content about issues that impact Canada, the United States, to some extent, UK. And these issues are social issues and they're going to be of controversy. And so we don't play on one particular side, that's their side, we're on the other side. And we should be able to have a voice and we should be able to put ad dollars behind that to get the content out there. As long as, the, yeah, come on. Okay. So, first book, I promise. I promise a book, we got a book. All right. First book. The Big Black Book of Communism. The Black Book of Communism. Crimes, Terror, Repression. This is the Bible on communism. Just gonna let that sink in a little bit. This is the historical account of all of the instances of communism where it came from, how many people died, down to the penny. This is unbelievable. This is the Black Book of Communism. Crimes, terror, repression. This is critical that, our, that I want our audience thinking about this. You, we have to understand, when you ever hear about Joe McCarthy down in the US, you are listening to communists, progressives that are communists, Anyway, I repeat myself, but what they've done, you know, Joe went a little too far, but he definitely uncovered communists. There's a shitload of communists uh, infiltrated the U.S. and definitely Canadian government, no doubt. And, uh, you know, he went a little far, right? But so far that he went that he enabled uh, the enemies, the fellow travelers, to be able to discredit this idea that there are communists among us in the West, there certainly are. Um, for one, a couple of things, just remember this about communism, right? At one point in the 1970s, they had over 65% of the entire world's population living under communism. That was in the 1970s. It didn't just go away. And it's built on the longest oldest thinking human beings have resentment envy greed and they they put that on capitalism <laughs> communism it, it it is envy and resentment jealousy greed wrapped up in virtue that they know the right way to make human beings better unbelievable and they're willing at all costs to wipe anybody out that does not follow that plan. And so to think that in just, well, so what is that? 
less than 50 years, less than 50 years, 45 years, something like that, somewhere in the 70s there where that number is pegged. I'm 50 this year, and I was born in 1970. So within 50 years, you went from 65% of the world's population living under communist rule. There's just no way that that, that thinking is not still embedded within our DNA, within our cultures, considering the fact that leftist socialist cultures, I mean, you know, are everywhere. So we need to start getting back to understanding what communism is because Alexandra AOC, whatever her name is, she's a communist. Bernie Sanders is a communist. These environmental radicals that want to destroy capitalism are communists. When they're talking about destroying capitalism, that's communism. <laughs> Pure and simple. So we have plenty of understanding of absolute recent history of what this thinking uh, looks like and how it manifests itself in the world. We need to be putting that back on the table. We are crazy to not do that. All right, so... Again, like, because I didn't really plan this, so just give me a second. All right, so in the Black Book of Communism, they talk a lot, obviously, about the French Revolution. You have to, because communism is an outshoot of the French Revolution. The French Revolution is the enlightenment that you all have been told is the enlightenment that you went through. So when you hear about the enlightenment from every movie, book, TV show, everything, school, university, whatever, the Enlightenment, is they're talking about the French Enlightenment. That's the one that, you know, everybody over here has in their mind. Um, but the French Enlightenment's not the Enlightenment that built Canada and the United States. That's the British Enlightenment. That's the classic liberal Enlightenment. Two different Enlightenments happened. And the French one is the socialist communist one. That's why the terror was in the French Revolution. All right, so I'm going to switch to the wide shot so I don't feel like I've got to continually give you guys love there. All right. All right. So this is page 728. <laughs> okay. 728. Uh, I was, yeah. All right, 728. Throughout the 19th century, theories about revolutionary violence were dominated by the founding experience of the French Revolution. In 1793 to 94, the French Revolution went through a period of extreme violence that took three distinct forms. The most savage were the September massacres, during which 1,000 people were spontaneously killed by rioters in Paris with no intervention by the government and no instructions from any party. The best-known form of violence was carried out by revolutionary tribunals, surveillance committees, and the guillotine, accounting for the death of 2,625 people in Paris and 16,600 in the provinces. This is in 12 months. In 12 months. Long hidden was the terror practiced by the, quote, infernal columns, close quote, of the Republic, 
who's, and remember guys, republic is a democracy. Republic means democracy. The French Revolution was all about democracy. Democracy, liberté, and fraternité. Brotherhood, right? So this is the republic. This is democracy. This is where so many people feel democracy, and it comes from the French Enlightenment. Well, the French Enlightenment was holy terror. Long hidden was the terror practiced by the infernal columns of the Republic, whose task was to put down the insurrection in the Vendee, and who killed tens of thousands of innocent and unarmed people in that region. But these months of terror, bloody though they were, were only one episode in the long history of the country's revolution, which ultimately resulted in the creation of a democratic republic with a constitution an elected assembly, and genuine political debate. As soon as the convention regained its courage, Robespierre was deposed and the terror ceased. Francois Fourier, who is now deceased, but for all of the 20th century, was the 20th century's most acclaimed historian of the French Revolution, and, and also about communism, too. I'm reading another fabulous book. Don't have it here. As soon as I get more through that, it's called Passing of Illusion, Passing of an Illusion, and it's all about communism in the 20th century. Francois Ferret has demonstrated how a particular idea of revolution was then born. This concept was inseparable from extreme actions. Quote, the terror was government by fear, which Robespierre theorized as government by virtue. So coming out of the French Revolution, let me see if I can get this straight completely from memory. This is Robespierre. So Robespierre's, you know, it was basically you have, uh, uh, you have Rousseau, um, and who founding theory, uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and then Robespierre, why can't I remember his first name? Crap. So Robespierre, and basically, he, I mean, he was the top of the whole French Revolution. And like everything, the it always eats itself. Okay, again, unstructured, so I'm just kind of rambling. But uh, there's this line that, that Robespierre said. Uh, Terror without virtue is impotent. Terror without virtue is impotent. Virtue without terror is blind. So terror and virtue in this way of thinking, which is the communist thinking, which is ultimately the socialist thinking, which ultimately is the progressive thinking, which you can also see behind every single, you know, crushing of people in cancel culture, you know, the Me Too false allegations if when they're false, just the, all of that, right? All of that. It, it's, it's terror and virtue together are equal sides of the same coin. And a coin, you know, it's both sides, right? It's, you know, which way is properly supposed to be up. There is not a proper supposed to be up on a coin. Coin is equally the same on both sides. Terror and virtue. So terror without virtue is impotent. Virtue without terror is blind. So 
that so these virtuous social justice warriors to use an old two-year-old phrase uh but your regular neighbors that are vicious and evil the people in our lives that we know that are vicious evil duplicitous people right routinely use terror in the name of advancing virtue and you can understand why because Without terror, virtue has no path. Virtue is blind. So, of course, you need, you need terror. It helps direct the virtue. And, of course, it others, which is how virtue is perfectly used. Virtue is mostly used in this manner to other. So, Robespierre theorized as government by virtue. So, invented to destroy the aristocracy... It soon became the means to dispose of the wicked and to combat crime. It became an internal part of revolution and appeared to be the only means of forming future citizens of the Republic. Again, this is a 250-year-old idea. So using terror and virtue to form the future citizens of the Republic. If the Republic of Free Citizens was not yet a possibility, it must be because certain individuals, corrupted by their past history, were not yet pure enough. Terror became the means by which revolution, the history yet to be created, would forge the new human beings of the future. This is revolution. Revolution is the history not yet to be created. <laughs> and so I'm going to read that again. If the Republic of Free Citizens was not yet a possibility, free citizens, not yet a possibility, it must be because certain individuals corrupted by their past, meaning even your ancestors' past, here in Canada right now, you're a 30-year-old white dude, you're at fault for what white people did 80 years ago to the natives. That's the argument that's made 100% all the time. You have been corrupted by the past history. Another term for that is structural racism. <laughs> that's you are corrupted by the past history. And that individual were not yet pure enough. Terror became the means by which revolution, the history yet to be created, would forge the new human beings of the future. So us in all of our, you know, uh, capitalist uh, splendor here, soaking up in our energy and resources, right? We are blocking the guilty white person, Trudeau, and the rest of them, progressives, that are running everything, we're, we are in their way of achieving the utopia of the new human being of the future. That's why we're reactionary. That's why we're called reactionaries. That's why we are the enemy, because we're in their way. In several respects, the terror prefigured a number of Bolshevik practices. So Bolsheviks, that's the communists. And Jacobins, that's the French Revolution version of the communists. That's Robespierre. 
The Jacobin faction's clever manipulation of social tensions and its political and ideological extremism were later echoed by the Bolsheviks. Also, for the first time, an attempt was made in France to eliminate a particular section of the peasantry. Robespierre laid the first stones on the road that spurred Lenin to terror. As the French Revolutionary declared to the convention during the vote on the... Uh, I'm not going to read that. Quote, to punish the enemies of the fatherland, we must find out who they are. But we do not want to punish them. We want to destroy them. Again, let me just remind you. The West is the French Revolution. That's, that's what, you know, that's the romanticism that's built in all of our heads. This whole revolutionary thing. The whole oppressor ideology is built off of this. And here you have Robespierre. Again, white French dude, because they're all white French dudes, right? To punish the enemies of the fatherland, we must find out who they are. But we do not want to punish them. We want to destroy them. French Revolution. Yet this founding moment of terror did not inspire any other followers along, among the main revolutionary thinkers of the 19th century. So now we're into the 19th century. That's the 18th century. The French Revolution eventually fell apart. Robespierre lost his head because the, the left always eats itself. <laughs> so you really have a struggle here now into the 19th century of dealing with the aftermath of the French Revolution. Ultimately, we're still, we're still right now dealing in the aftermath of the French Revolution. These things take time. History is long, not short, right? So really what Marx was doing was really trying to find a different way to contain much of the same stuff that came out of the French Revolution, but in a different way. And, and he better defined revolutionary thinking. So we're going to read a little bit more. Hopefully you guys are still in. And, um, and then, and then I, I got uh, a Bafo one coming here. So let's just keep going here for a second. Yeah, this is important to know. Well, I think it might be too much in the weeds. I think that's too much in the weeds. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. So working through Marx. And so uh, Communist Manifesto 1849 might have been 47, 1849. Uh, there's a big chunk of history you don't know, likely. There's, I'd, I'd be very surprised if you did. And that there was a total communist revolution in uh, 1948 in Europe. So uh, Marx didn't technically invent communism. And of course, socialism had been around already. So um, uh, in 1848, uh, which was called the Paris Communes, Paris was taken over by communists. 
full on the whole city. And there was revolutionary riots and, you know, attempted coups all across Europe in the mid 19th century. So a lot of the uh, democratic reforms that the aristocracy and such, um, you know, eventually succumbed to uh, during uh, the latter half of the 19th century were all, uh, you first have the French Revolution and then you had this massive thing that happened in 1848 across so many countries, Germany, you know, Paris, all over. And so uh, eventually they had to acquiesce and they started to allow some more democracy or democracy for the first time in. What a lot of people don't know, and it's hard to wrap your head around, is that democracy as we know it, don't think of Greek democracy, don't think of Athens. When you think of Greek democracy, you're getting the, uh, a, a ray of light and a vestige of, of Aristotle, uh, as Aristotle was refound again, you know, in medieval times, you know, pulled out from the Dark Ages, actually, thanks to the, thanks to the uh, Muslims for uh, saving Aristotle, uh, and the Crusades, actually, which opened the door back up for all this learning to come and, and be refound and rediscovered into the West. Um, you know, there's a lot to thank Muslims for, for that. Um, and um, so Aristotle being definitely, you know, from that Greek uh, democracy world, but that's not where French Revolution democracy is from. That's not where social democratic democracy is from. That's all from Plato and that's all totalitarian. And so when you're hearing all the time about democracy in the West, here, you're hearing about platonic democracy, which is totalitarian, which is collective, which is socialism, which turns into communism. It is absolutely 100% true that Lenin and Stalin and all of them, the communist uh, 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 milieu, believed they were practicing democracy. They believed that. Stunning, I know. They believed it, right? Universal suffrage is something that the socialists push. It wasn't something classical liberals were pushing for, that's for sure, you know, good or bad or whatever. But, you know, all of that movement to diffuse power across the mob, across the herd, that's a socialist thing. Because you want to get that power into as many people as possible because you know that you can control the masses through appealing to base emotion and fear, right? That's why the terror works. We arguably are living in terror all day long. Everything is terror, and that's what's hurting us around. And it's not some crazy right-wingers that are doing it, in terms of conservatives or something like that, whatever the progressives tell you. Now, between 1848 and um, the Communist Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917. There's a period of revolutionary time there that's never discussed in the West much, and it should be. Of course, there was a precursor attempt uh, of a revolution in 1905 in Russia, and that failed, though it did force the Tsar, uh, the monarch, to make some changes, to abdicate some powers, and to open up a, a few doors. Uh, that's when the serfs, got moved out of serfdom and started getting some of their rights. God, it's not, so not the right word. But I bring this up because what I'm going to read you next is by a founder of the Bolshevik revolutionary thought. 
There isn't an Atifa member, Black Bloc, any one of these militants. And then when you go right up to the progressives uh, and, you know, shiny, smiley face progressives, they're going to have some of this wired into their DNA. Every kid that's in school today, starting in like, well, I definitely know starting in grade one. So I, I can't say kindergarten, but I know I've read the curriculum from grade one on here in British Columbia four years ago for a dual column I did. They are teaching activism at grade one. Activism at grade one. And so if any of you got kids, you know your kids have come back with assignments on climate change and this and that. On the vaping side, we saw um, last week, um, Shy uh, from Dash Vapes put out, he got that letter from some young kid, eight years old or something like that in the US uh, talking about how vaping's bad and this and that. Well, it's a part of their activism courses, right? So of course, they're all being trained to be activists. Activist is the mild word for revolutionary. Okay, the extremist wing of the international. So communists, what they did was, and it's always been this way, um, it was only Stalin for a short period of time where he had to acquiesce what the goals were for communism and and because of the war, World War II, and he turned it to socialism in one country. But that was a complete lie because communism's never been about that. It's always been international. Lenin started the international. There was the Comintern, you know, communist international uh, uh, apparatus. It's never been about, oh, let's just set up a little communist, you know, state here and, you know, let the, we'll carve off the rest of the world and we'll be fine. Because, of course, that doesn't work. When the rest of the world is all abundance and capitalism and progress, you know, technological progress and moving forward and all this stuff, there's just, you, you can't have that exist in just a socialist one state. Has to grow. And anyhow, it's a religion, right? So it's, it's an absolute total psychotic religion, right? And so that's why it's always got to be international. So the extremist wing of the international, which had coalesced around the turn of the century, included the most hardline Russian socialists, Lenin's Bolsheviks. Although the Bolsheviks were clearly descended from the European Marxist tradition, they also had strong roots in the revolutionary Russian land movement. The land movement. Throughout the 19th century, one section of this revolutionary movement was linked to violent activity. The most radical proponent of violence within the movement was Sergei Nechev, who Dostoevsky used as a model for the revolutionary protagonist of the Devils. In 1869, Nechev published a revolutionary catechism in which he defined revolutionary as a man who is already lost. He has no particular interest, no private business, no feelings, no personal attachments, and no property. He does not even have a name. Everything in him is absorbed by one interest to the exclusion of all others, by a single thought, a single passion, revolution. In the depths of his being, not only in words, but in his actions as well, he has broken all links with society and the world of civilization. 
with its laws and conventions, which, with its social etiquette and its moral code. The revolutionary is an implacable enemy, and he carries on living only so that he can ensure the destruction of society. He carries on living only so that he can ensure the destruction of society. And that explains the revolutionary nature of every single one of these progressives and more militant, pure, fascist slash communist, you know, echo warrior militants, call them what you will, Black Lives Matter, all of them. They want a complete destruction of society. It's the end goal of transgenderism. That's total, total destruction of society. Right to the heart of the basic understanding human beings have wired into our system, male and female. You just can't erase that. To erase that is communism. All of the speech codes, laws, putting the filters in your own head to have to lie to yourself with, with every ounce of being to deny science, to deny the reality of world, of understanding and knowledge. It's the destruction of everything is transgenderism. It is the complete destruction of society and a rebuilding into new future human beings. It's revolutionary. And don't kid yourself, you dive into any of their literature. It's revolutionary. Complete destruction of society. Implacable. Nechev then set out his objectives. Quote, the revolutionary never enters the political or social world, the so-called educated world, and that's a bit different now, and he lives with faith only in its swift and total destruction. No one who feels pity for anything can truly be called a revolutionary. His plan of action argued that this whole sick society must be divided into several categories. In the first category are the people who are to be killed immediately. The second should include individuals who are not to be allowed to continue living for a while. So, sorry, the second should include individuals who are to be allowed to continue living for a while so that by their monstrous acts, they merely accelerate the inevitable uprising of the people. So there's some capitalist, uh, fascist kind of corporate, you know, globalists that will, you know, be fine with for a while because by their very nature, they're just, they're rising up, you know, the, the populace, uh, which is going to help, you know, bring everything down. I mean, in a way, in a, in a, in a truly pure revolutionary way, the diehard revolutionary is thankful Trump got elected. You can bet their ass they are. You can bet their ass they are. Because he, 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 he accelerates, uh, in their mind, of course, uh, would be accelerating uh, the uprising of the populace. So you do let, you know, some of them live. Because by their very monstrous acts of being who they are, the reactionaries that they are, 
they're only going to instigate uh, more uprising and then further accelerate the fall of society. All right, that was just page 728, a little bit from 729 and 730 from the Black Book of Communism. All right, I'm sure I've lost a bunch of viewers, and I bet you, ha, bet you I should be putting this on uh, probably on a private or something like that. So Facebook doesn't dig me. I'm just going to take a look around here. Um, so what do we have here? Chola Ranch, our, my favorite Chola. Chola, 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 Chola. All right, let's see here. Unstructured show, host split. Uh, super source computer. All righty. All right. So, Chola, Granddad was saying at every radio broadcast, quote, we need to support the Nazis for a week, then Russia. Let them fight it out between themselves. True, true, true. Wrench Reviews, New Democratic Party. Yes, yes. So are the leaders here in Thailand. Hey, Ace Vapor, good to have you. Uh, Dev uh, Devora Stevens, glad this came out. Cut the cord this weekend. Got Roku confused. Yes. And uh, Chola Ranch here is weighing in here on my Aristotle and Plato, which is great, so I know that I'm not crazy. And for those of you who have not yet noticed that the most articulate, well-spoken, and written person, and I'm sorry, i got to say this, there is a ribbon for RegWatch fans, and that is Chola Ranch. Chola Ranch. Um, fantastic. You all are great. Chola, she just gets... The blue ribbon, because we we are actually proper human beings, so we don't just level everybody to the ground and then just give them all a blue ribbon and tell them that they're all wonderful, right? We do operate on a bit of a meritocracy here, even at RegWatch, and Chola wins the prize for eloquence. And she writes, absolutely correct, uh, Mr. Stafford. I read both Plato and Aristotle. And through the latter, did confuse ontology a bit, right? It was nothing so absurd an error as Plato. True. Plato is pure error. Plato is where Lenin got the vanguard of the proletariat. French Revolution comes from Plato. Plenty and plenty, plenty of Nazi thinking comes from Plato. Wrench reviews, what is to be gained by the fall of society? It, it's an in, it's an, it's a, it's a, a desire inside, in their code that must destroy society. They have no plan. And this isn't necessarily just like the Nechev kind of revolutionary. I mean, this is pure socialism wants that. So I'm just going to read a few more, but I'm just going to give you a sneak. What's next? What's next? The Socialist Phenomenon by Igor Shafayevich, Shafayevich, written in 1973 in Russia, in the Soviet Union, in Russia, one of the actually world-renowned academic, believe it or not, 
He was able to get this written and got it published outside of Russia. This and Alexander Solzhenitsyn did the um, forward. And I actually found this. Uh, it was mentioned by Milton Friedman in a 19, is his 1978 series that he did called Free to Choose, which was after his book. So it was a series of one hour lectures and then questions and answers. If you haven't seen that yet on YouTube, type in Milton Friedman, Free to Choose, Nobel, Nobel winning uh, economist, uh, the Chicago School, an American, and fantastic. And so the socialist phenomenon. So I'll couple out of here. We're not going to go too much longer. Let me just see here. Okay. And that's that as I'm ranting. And let's see here on Facebook. Yeah, not that many. I'm, I'm, I thank all of you who are with me at the moment. Okay. So it's really important actually on this one because, you know, um, Oh, hey, Big Red, uh, on the Linda Bald uh, video, you were happy with it. Thank you. Very happy to see that. It's a hell of an interview, if I might say so myself. Dave Flowers, Brent's hair is gorgeous. Glorious. Glorious. I'll take it, man. I'll take it. I'm turning 50, man. Thank God I've even got any hair left. That's, I'm serious. It's like, it's all over. It's all over, man. 50. Fuck. All right. Okay, so certainly still a communist party up here. Yes, wrench for sure. And Chola, what makes capitalism a bad word? Envious nations, Iran, etc. I can understand as being home irrational creatures, but Canada and the US, I just don't get it. Yeah, see, because Chola, it's not really about what you have. Um Okay. There's certain human beings out there that truly are afraid of the future. Change scares them. And it's the very people that point at us and say, you know, you have a problem with change. And that's like ultimately the end, the worst thing about you. You know, you're reactionary, can't handle change. I mean, it really comes down to change, right? And like everything with these malevolent people, they, uh, they suffer from exactly what they're blaming others of. And so they adopt change as their mantle, as a rallying cry, as the, the tool to bludgeon others with, and so forth. Yet it is actually change that they are the most afraid of. They are so afraid of change that they, can't, they cannot possibly imagine the risk of the future on their own. So they must see it as in a tribal joined forces collective. It's the only way in their mind they can envision a future. Otherwise, they are terrified. It's they who are terrified of change. That's why they need to always control change because that's their way to control uh, their future, They're to control the risk. I mean, really the left and the communist, you know, all the whole left, they're really just trying to mitigate risk the same risks we all have to face. It's just they're so ill-equipped to do it, they've 
built an entire a faith around it. Um, and so anybody that doesn't play along with that mitigation of risk by the collective, they are thus the other, and they are the enemy of the collective. They absolutely are. They must go. Go, right? So it's ultimately about change. And they're the ones that can't handle it. They're terrified of it. That's why they have to control it. That's why it's historical determinism. That's why they have looked through the past and said, we see how each thing changed and we know why all the way to the future. And we can see the change uh, in front of us. We know where that change needs to be. It's radical change. It's all these change all towards the collective with no real picture or plan, but they can live in the present uh, in some security, mental security, believing that they're somehow controlling uh, the future and the change, mitigating risk. And then, of course, the rest of us who are all individuals and stuff had whole other uh, 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 social institutions for a couple of thousands of years, maybe too long, but let's just say, you know, last four or 500, let's just say, where we had traditional institutions that were designed to mitigate risk that had society still as a part of it. There were collectives, but it was based on individuals as the units and then families uh, together as, you know, the, the collective. And so, and, and, but so to say that the, that conservatives, those on, you know, traditional conservative, right. Can't uh, uh, handle change is just the most asinine thing ever said and should be met with derision every single time your uncle, your aunt, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your teacher, your doctor, your lawyer, anybody starts bringing up that crap about change, you, you got to find that's their Achilles heel, especially on climate change. It's so funny. I, I thought you guys were the ones that were so pro-change. Can't handle a little climate change? I mean, but that, that, that makes fun of the whole point here. They can't handle change terrifies them. Now, all of our traditional institutions and so forth that we had that have been destroyed, right, were set up to handle change in different ways. We don't take every change in because not all change is good, right? Change is chaos. And so conservatives had traditional modes set up in order in which to deal with change. It's not that we didn't want change. It's not that we couldn't handle change. It's not that the reality of every single living human being on this planet, every single living thing on this planet has change wired into their DNA. So it's impossible to even begin to say something so stupid, right? It's crazy. Change is their Achilles heel. And it's by that when we find our way to... to Get in there on that and, and take that away from them is the way that we find a way to win. I don't have the answer to that yet, but it is that, that we get them on. They can't handle change. So the socialist phenomenon by Igor Shafeyevich, 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 Shafeyevich. I think it's Shafarovich. Can human nature itself give rise to a socialist organization of society? 
It can, believes Igor Shafeyevich, Black, citizen of the Soviet Union, mathematician of international renown, member of the Committee for the Defense of Human Rights, and author of this comprehensive historical examination of socialism. In the socialist phenomenon, Shafeyevich traces the idea of communal, excuse me, sorry, it's getting late for me too, communality. Shafeyevich traces the idea of communality from the earliest times to the 20th century. The scope of this work is vast. Its attack on socialism would be momentous in any case. Coming from inside Russia, it is an event of real importance. He begins with the treatment of socialism as a generic idea that he terms chiliastic, chiliastic, or chiliastic. Chiliastic would be like the kind of English pronunciation of this. Chiliastic. Citing examples of utopian conceptions from ancient times, through the medieval heresies to the great utopian writings of the Enlightenment. He constructs a model of the socialist phenomenon, which includes communal property, such as wives, the abolition of religion, and the regimentation of all aspects of life. He provides fascinating accounts of early realizations of the model in Mesopotamia, ancient Egypt, ancient China, and the Inca Empire. The reader is left with an impression of concrete historical example fitting the theory with uncanny precision. The inescapable conclusion is that human nature itself gives rise under certain conditions to a socialist organization of society. Shafarevich speculates on the psychic roots of the phenomenon and connects the impulse to socialize life with a universal self-destructive tendency. The outlook he conveys is bleak, but not entirely hopeless. This work will occasion heated discussion among Marxists and non-Marxists alike. So, Shafeyevich, he is the author of The General Law of Reciprocity from 1950, and is credited in the American Directory of Science as having discovered the law of reciprocity. His speciality is algebra and the theory of algebraic numbers. Shafeyevich, current, and this is 1973. Shafeyevich currently resides in Moscow. He's married and has two children. Sorry, 1975. The socialist phenomena originally appeared in Russian. Uh, through Paris, published in Paris in 1975. French, Italian, and Spanish translations have already been published, and a German edition is being prepared. This edition, the English edition, is published in 1975. So, real quick, to give you an idea of how I do my index, some of my own indexing, you've got to really do your own indexing when you're reading. Otherwise, you're screwed. Um, some of you when I, might remember back from two years ago uh, when I first started up our live stuff for like when I was doing the Brent Stafford show. We tried to get a couple out. I wanted it to be really, you know, badass, hardcore on all the social stuff. But I realized it was only going to detract from what we were doing with vaping. And so I threw it all into vaping. 
But now, I mean, the, the events have just pulled me back, back out. I cannot uh, throw, I have to throw everything at this. Nothing, I mean, nothing's getting built in Canada anymore. Uh, nothing. We, this will be Venezuela. So, okay. So one more thing out of this book, one direct thing out of this book here. Let me find it. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot. So what I'll do is um, back a couple of years ago, I've got this great scanner set up uh, for scanning books. It's like solely for books, it's laser and shit like that. It'll get both pages at the same time. Uh, and it's awesome. So what I'll be able to do is I'll be able to start snapping the pages that I'm going to read you guys. So that isn't going to take me at all any time to do. It's just like, boom, boom. It even works with a foot pedal. It's awesome. And uh, so I'll start doing that. So you won't have to just like watch the back of my head, have the words will be up and uh, you'll see also my notes uh, for those that, you know, might not be uh, importune for me to put up. Let's see here what I got. Okay. This is a, such a good one. I read this. I was reading this. I started reading this book. Normally I write, write it down. It must be noted somewhere else. I bought this book August 1st of 2019. Uh, thing cost damn near 300 bucks because it obviously out of print. Uh, copyrights 1975. I finished, so I, I bought it August uh, 16th. I wouldn't have got it until the first week of September. I think I got this book the first week of September. If not, yeah, first week. So uh, Lung Scare had already hit, and I finished it November 16th. So I plowed right through it. So this was like right at our main time here that we were going through our trials and tribulations. Yeah, socialism as religion. I'm just seeing here if I can get my head into an easy couple paragraphs for you. Interesting. Okay, I might just have to jump to... Ha! <laughs> So the stuff I was just reading you out of the uh, Black Book of Communism, literally, I'm just staring down now here, page 222 of this and of this particular book, and it's exactly on that exact time period, uh, saying the same thing. All right, guys. So I'm, um, socialism as a, as a special religion. For socialism nowadays emerges not only as a natural area of social policy, but usually also as a religion one based on atheism and the deification of man and man's labor and on recognition of the elemental forces of nature and social life and as the only meaningful principle of history. And that does say it all. So atheism is a religion. <laughs> Uh, you obviously, if you're atheist, believe in God because you can't uh, believe in the opposite of something without believing in the thing that you are not believing in. 
Otherwise, then you're just agnostic. That's what agnostic means. So for socialism nowadays emerges not only as a natural area of social policy, but also as a religion, one based on atheism and the deification of man and man's labor, and on recognition of the elemental forces of nature and social life, and as the only meaningful principle of history. Meaning, the only principle that has driven history forward and will be driving history forward to as well. Okay, so the name here is unimportant. It's a very uh, a revolutionary historian guy, uh, Bulgakov. Bulgakov. Bulgakov believes socialism can be seen as a rebirth of Judaic messianism. Quote, Karl Marx, along with LaSalle, are the proclaimers of the apocalypse in fashionable dress. So let's, let's contemporize that. Climate change, hair on fire, and just regular old climate change believers, right? They are proclaiming, they are proclaimers of the apocalypse in fashionable dress. Okay, somebody's got to write that down and do something with that, get that up on Facebook, turn it into a meme or whatever, because that's, that's a powerful weapon right there, right? Climate changers, climate change believers are the proclaimers of the apocalypse in fashionable dress. How can I take you seriously? You're just a simple proclaimer of the apocalypse in fashionable dress. <laughs> There's something there. And let me not truncate that line, comma, the announcers of the messianic kingdom. So, Jesus Christ. 1975, socialist phenomenon. Karl Marx, along with LaSalle, are the proclaimers of the apocalypse in fashionable dress, the announcers of the messianic kingdom. Another writer, Simeon Frank, also calls revolutionary socialism, quote, a religion of absolute realization of the people's happiness and the religion of service to material interests. It's interesting. There's a weird dichotomy about socialism in terms of its dealing with materialism, right? Normally materialism is the, is the cudgel they have like on capitalists, you know, you're materialist, but there's all the whole other kinds of thinking that's around materialism. So Frank also calls revolutionary socialism, quote, a religion of absolute realization of the people's happiness and the religion of service to material interests. Frank points to a train of thought which unites nihilist moral nihilism, right? So nihilist, nihilistic morality with the religion of socialism. Ooh. Frank points to a train of thought which unites nihilistic morality with the religion of socialism. An analogous point of view is developed in an article called Marxism and Religion.
A forceful argument can be made for this definition. For example, the religious aspect of socialism may explain the extraordinary attraction of socialist doctrines and their capacity to inflame individuals and to inspire popular movements. It is precisely these aspects of socialism which cannot be explained when socialism is regarded as a political or economic category. Socialism's pretensions to be universal Socialism's pretensions to be a universal worldview comprising and explaining everything from the transformation of a liquid into steam to the appearance of Christianity also make it akin to religion. So you can't explain the way they think, how they think, how they act, the way they uh, conduct their faith by economic theory or by, um, by, so again, these aspects of socialism, which cannot be explained when socialism is regarded as a political or economic uh, category. There's something else there that's besides this political or economic. It's religious, right? A characteristic of religion is socialism's view of history and not as a chaotic phenomenon, but as an entity that has a goal, a meaning and a justification. In other words, both socialism and religion view history teleologically. There's a divinity driving history. And it's true. Conservative on the, if you're on the conservative side and you're Christian and you're looking at everything and you get up on high on your Christian horse, you need to understand you can't 100% do that because the Christian horse has got socialism running right through it. Because you, the religious aspect of it is exactly the same. It's one of the reasons why socialists and the left and the progressives hate Christianity so much. Because just think about it. The entire herd out there of progressives, vast majority of the entire population here, right? If you were just to go back 80 years ago, they would have been the Christians they so hate. 150 years ago for sure. The same people. 100%. So they, 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 they hate Christianity because they're Christians, really. Quite honest, right? And Christianity has, the, the socialism aspect of Christianity has been there since day one. There's that dividing tension with inside Christianity between the word, the logos, the individual, and community, and the poor, the begotten, blah, 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 Right, is I mean that's the that's the that's the dialectic with inside Christianity. Arguably, the reason why it was a powerful force in order to build society on. But so, you know, so today's progressive was absolutely yesterday's Christian. Today's progressive was yesterday's 1950s Christian. That's why they hate the 50s so much because it's so close in the background there. That's them. They were the ones. Progressives are Christians too. Finally, socialism's hostility towards traditional religion hardly contradicts this judgment. It may simply be a matter of animosity between rival religions. However, all of these arguments indicate only that socialism and religion have some important features in common. They do not prove 
that the basic traits of socialism can be reduced to a religion. And in point of fact, there are a number of cardinal distinctions that set them apart. And we'll leave it at there. Or wait, maybe, hold on. Okay, now, you know what, I'm just going to read the page, and then, and then we'll shut her down. In the first place, religion proceeds from concrete experience. The religious feelings of people who then describe these feelings as an encounter with God, such experiences on the part of individuals gifted in this respect become fixed and are passed on to others in the form of a cult, of a tradition, and of theological literature. It would be of great interest if we could be established that similar experiences lie at the root of socialist philosophy, but we hear nothing of the kind, and this in, it, and this in itself is a clear objective difference between the socialist worldview and religion. For even if such experiences do occur within socialism, those to whom it is accessible categorically deny the fact. The most prominent representatives of socialist ideology either adhere to a rationalist outlook in recent centuries or profess some other non-socialist religion as in earlier centuries. An even more radical contrast between socialism and religion emerges from their views of the essence of man and his role in their respective anthropological, anthropo sorry, it's getting late, anthropologies. Where's my brain is? All religions proceed from a recognition of some higher meaning in life, some goal deriving from a higher sphere. Presupposing the existence of God and the possibility of man's communication with him, religion thereby emits a certain, uh, a certain relationship, a familiarity, a bonding uh, between man, God and man, which is indispensable if only to make possible some sort of contact, right? An ant, for instance, cannot enter into contact with man. Odd, sorry. Socialism, on the other hand, proceeds in almost all of its manifestations from the assumption that the basic principles guiding the life of an individual and of mankind in general do not go beyond the satisfaction of material needs or primitive instincts. That's why socialism is material. Because they don't, there is no religious, spiritual, uh, uh, that's what's so crazy about progressive socialism. Progressives, because they're religious, like fully, they do. They, the, the, the whole social justice thing has got this, has got a religious thing that, that, that this virtue that exists out there. So it's what makes things a little bit crazy about right now, but but so that's what socialism is materialism. How could it not be like you guys, you capitalists and all of their things and all of your stuff. We're socialists. We don't care about things and stuff. Bullshit. Your whole thing is based on things and stuff. Everything is based on things and stuff. And in fact, you're not happy with the amount of things and stuff you've got. And you spend all day long coveting what other people's things and stuff are. And you want to have them. And you're going to use force by God, well, not God, but maybe God, if you're progressive, take them, right? That's the whole point. That's why, so that's the, like the lie of socialism, of communists, these progressives. They're like, you know, 
Oh, let's just shed our shit. I'll tell you right now, man, man, once all of Canada's land is turned over to the collective, right? They'll be mining it for coal pretty freaking quick. The oil will be coming out of that ground really freaking fast. There won't be dancing around First Nations. Look at Horgan, right? I mean, he gave he gave total full birth, uh, the Premier Horgan did, to the entire crazy NDP environmental radicals forever, right? But he knows they need their power, man. What right communist or socialist in their right mind doesn't want the resources? It's insane. It's, a, it's just insane to think that this is the case. You want to overthrow a society, what do you do? You, you commandeer the resources. That's it. And then the second thing you do is the national transportation system. If you can do them both at the same time, you're almost at takeover. We're this close. Canada is this close. They don't want the reason you're listening. People are listening to this. Oh, we want to just sit around with some solar panels and shiver in Canada with some solar panels. Oh, do some deals with the First Nations and we'll have, it'll be okay. We can't. There's no way. The resources will go hand into the hands of the collective and they'll be taking the coal and the oil out of the ground so fast and making steel, you won't even be able to shake your head at it. Guarantee you that right now. Okay, so I think that that is good. There is there is one thing here though in this book uh, that I need to make sure gets read. Okay, this is the introduction, the socialist phenomenon. The word socialism often implies often implies two quite different phenomena. One, a doctrine and an appeal based on it. Okay. I, I will be showing these here. I wish that I, I wish that I actually had done that. Especially with this book here. If there's anybody still hanging on, hang with me. Um, one sec. Just spinning up a drive here. There is a, sh a good shot. Oh, come on. Okay. So give you guys a little bit of a view here into uh, crazy land. All right. So, oh, I do have it. So we've got Cleo's Bastards. Oh, God, I can't wait till I get into that with you. That's a Canadian author. Unbelievable. And now's the time I'm going to try to get him on the show. Uh, let's, oh, okay. Just to prove a point about radical, is it not all in here? Yes, it is. I guess I don't have it all in here. That's feminist baby. Hold on. Okay, look, I... I've wanted to do a show on this, but it's just freaking impossible to really figure out the right way. It's got to be on a day like this where, where, where it's, uh, I'm ranting. Okay. 
I mentioned to you that in elementary school, down to grade one, they're teaching you activism. Well, here is a book called A is for Activist. And um, this is for like five-year-olds and six-year-olds. Bought it in Canada. It's uh, got a blurb in it by Naomi Klein, our great Canadian wonderful communist that wrote uh, The Green New Deal. She's the writer of it. It's called The Leap uh, Manifesto. And then it got turned into The Green New Deal down in the States. Don't kid yourself, Canada, we're like the heart of communism. So A is for activist. We're going to bounce around, I guess. Did I? I haven't yet put it in here. A is for activist, advocate, abolitionist, ally, actively answering a call to action. Are you an activist? A is for activist. There it is. B is for banner bobbing in the sky, billowing the breeze. C is for co-op, cooperating cultures, creative counter to corporate vultures. O and cats. Can you find the cats? This is five, six, seven-year-olds, guys. Little D democracy. More than voting, you'll agree. Dictators detest it. Donkey, donkeys don't get it. But you and me, we demand equality. Equal rights. Black, brown, or white. Clean and healthy is a right. Every place we live and play, environmental justice is the way. F is for feminist, for fairness in our pay, for freedom to flourish and choose our own way. G is for grassroots, sprouting from below, sharing nutrients and the water's flow. Below the surface, we're all connected, stronger together we grow. H is for healthy food, a human right, honeydew, Jamaica, I can't pronounce it, who cares, nature's delight, humus, hot dogs, Vardy cheese, hot dogs, yes, Healthy hot dogs, please, and pizza. Nice, a little bit of kid thing in there. The one page that's not filled with bloody revolution. And then we turn to indigenous and immigrant. Together we stand tall. Our histories are relevant. An injury to one is an injury to all. J is for justice. Yay for justice. It's hard to read. J is for justice. Yay for justice. Jai Jing Jang. Juinta. Justice for, oh, I can't. Janitors. Justice for all. Something just. Oh, there it is. I got a better one. Justice for the janitors. Justicia for all. Kings are fine for story time. Knights are fun to play. But when we make decisions, we will choose the people's way. LGBTQ, love who you choose, because love is true. Liberate your notions of limited emotions. Celebrate with pride our links of devotion. Megaphones marching. Movie miento music. Hip, hip, hooray, it must be May Day. N is for no. No, no, no. Yes is to what we want. No to what must go. No 
No, no, no justice, no peace. Open minds operate best, critical thinking over tests, wisdom can't be memorized, educate, agitate, organize. PPP march, pro, pro, protest, pow, pow, power to the PP people, yeah. Q is for question, questioning coercion, querying qualities, counter false assertions. Oops. Radical Reds, the headline said. Ruinous writers, the rumors spread. Rabble rousing riffraff. Really? Yes, anybody who ever mentions any of those things are clearly, obviously, radical reds. Well, that's what I've been saying all day tonight, right? Radical communists. Communists are radical. Radical reds. Reds are the communists. So they're right off there saying radical reds. The headline said, oh, don't listen. That's McCarthyism. I'm not even going to discount this. This is a kid, a book for kids. Five, six, seven, eight. S is for sun, soul, solar, superstar, stellar power, fuels all life, not just flowers, energized homes, cars and showers, silly, selfish, scoundrels sucking on dinosaur sludge. Boo. Hiss. T is for trans. For trains, tiaras, tulips, tractors, and tigers too. Trust in the true. The he, she, they. That is you. Worth reading again. T is for trans. For trains, tiaras, tulips, tractors, and tigers too. Trust in the true. The he, she, they. That is you. You is for weekends. You is for workers' rights. Wait, that's not you. That's W. You is for the union. Union, yes. V is for Vox. What? Did you say Fox? No, I said Vox. Did you say Box? No, Vox. Rocks, blocks, socks, Vox. Vox of the people. Voice of the populi. Better go see the letter D. Wondrous world, wondrous we, we cannot be whole, we cannot be free, unless we delight in diversity. X is for Malcolm, as in Malcolm X. History's lessons can be complex. Remember Parks, remember King, remember Malcolm, and let freedom reign. Ring. Y is for you and youth, your planet, your rights, your future, your truth. Yet why? Okay. Why is for you and youth, your planet, your rights, your future, your truth? Why is for yes? Yes, yes, yes. Z is for Zapatista, of course. Zapatista communist revolutionaries. Ugh.
Uh, so it's copyright 2013 is this book. I got it in 2018. And yeah, and to give you a little bit of an idea, this is a book similar from when in the 1970s, when I went to uh, elementary school, this is the kind of book that we had. Oh, okay, here's the back book here. Oh, there we go. So yeah, full of wit, beauty, and fun. We can think of no better way to learn the alphabet. Naomi Klein, author of The Shock Doctrine which is a massive book on the left, massive book. She's a Canadian and she wrote the Leap Manifesto. Uh, she's like one of Canada's, well, she is the preeminent uh, progressive uh, and leftist in Canada. Um, D Dan Zanes, maker of 21st century, all ages music and Grammy award-winning album uh, says, I wish this beautiful and inspiring book was around when my daughter was young, but fortunately there are plenty of cool children around today who will devour what inf what Eno was serving up. A is for activism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is communist. I mean, this is, this is, this is what they're being taught. If you've got a kid in elementary school, this is being taught to them. So the book again is called A for, A is for radicals. And uh, just, I guess I don't, yeah, I don't have it. So that, that's it again. Oh, wait, that was good enough. All right. So, sorry, that was a detour, but I just had to do it because I've been waiting for an opportunity to do that. I'll cut that out uh, and, you know, put it up solo somewhere. I don't know where. This is going to get me kicked off Facebook. I, I guarantee it. I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, I don't see a future on Facebook. I'm going to probably have to put this, if it's not already on. Uh, all right. So I did have socialist phenomenon. I should have looked. Let's see if I've got page one here. Ah, I guess I did a bunch of socialism is the expression of the quest for social justice. We know that. Let me just see here if I've got that page one. No, I'm going to take you on a dog's tail here now. It looks like I started, uh, I just captured social justice. See, one of the, you know, what I didn't even know about social justice as a term until like 2014 when it started really coming out. I'd never heard it. And I've been reading the New York Times for 20 freaking years. Never came up. It got resurrected from the past. I mean, it got kind of beat down in the 70s and then nobody used social justice in the 80s or 90s, early 2000s. Forget it. It's really only, it only came back. You notice it's gone. You notice that you're not hearing about social justice very much anymore. Right. It's, it's got to move on to other things and it'll be back. But yeah, like, but social justice. Oh my God. As soon as you crack through, you go, this stuff has been the actual term social justice. And what it means is nothing new. It's been the entire part of the plan. It's been the anchor since the dawn of time. Um, Leonard Hobhouse is the man who coined the term social justice and he did it in a book that I've got at home in my library that was written in 1905. It might be even be 1901. That's how far back social justice is. Well, they're just talking about the social justice right now. I've never heard about it before. It's number one game plan of the whole thing. Uh, it's just they just weave in when they're doing it. So it looks like I don't have uh, this uh, page here. So I am going to finish with this.
too bad. I'm sure it might be in there, but anyhow. Okay. The word socialism often implies two quite different phenomena. One, a doctrine and an appeal based on it. A program for changing life. So that's the number one. It sounds like more than one. That is all together number one. Okay, so let me do that again. The word socialism often implies two quite different phenomena. He's not saying that they aren't that two different things, but there, there's separate phenomena that's happening. Number one is this, and there's three parts to it. It's a doctrine and an, and an appeal based on that doctrine and a program for changing life. So it's a doctrine. It's an appeal to others based on that doctrine. And it contains a program for changing life. It's exactly what it is. Number two. A social structure that exists in time and space. The most obvious examples include Marxism as contained in the classical writings of Marx, blah, 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 blah. So socialism understood as a doctrine, as an appeal with a program for changing life. All such doctrines have a common core. They are based on the complete rejection of the existing social structure. They call for its destruction and paint a picture of a more just and happy society in which the solution to all the fundamental problems of the times would be found. Furthermore, they propose concrete ways of achieving this goal. In religious literature, such a system of views is referred to as belief in the thousand-year kingdom of God on earth, which is Chileism. Borrowing this terminology, we, that's why he calls it the Chilastic socialism. So let's leave it here, but so I'm going to hammer this one second, because this really is the key thing. So when you see socialism as, as this thing, um, the, the fundamental aspects of it, right? Because you can plop it down in different areas. You've got socialism in a time and place like Marxism. Socialism in a time and place, communism. Socialism in a time and place, uh, you know, British socialism. Uh, Christ, it is getting late. Uh, Fabianism. Uh, so British socialism uh, as it was in Fabianism. Or let's just say... Bernie Sanders, uh, social democracy, uh, and, and that particular idea. So uh, 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 a realization of socialism in time and space, and that is a thing. But you have socialism as the doctrine and an appeal that is based on that doctrine. So that's that appeal out to the other to come join, right? And then the program in which for changing life. And that's making a better human being. Changing life. That's so powerful. Because that's what they're doing. They're not like, oh, trying to make things better. They're trying to change life. <laughs> so, and those doctrines can exist in different times and space. And 
look differently and be different. You've got Chinese communism. You've got blah, blah, blah. I'm making my point here, right? You know, the different manifestations of. But what they all share, all of them, is that they are based on the complete rejection of the existing social structure. They call for its destruction and paint a picture of a more just and happy society in which the solution to all the fundamental problems of the times would be found. Further, they propose concrete ways of achieving this goal. So that's you, radical change, radical change. If we just do this, it'll be coming next. They're, they are sick human beings, my friends. All right, so I'm sure that there's every last one of you is gone. I do feel uh, there they have lists, uh, LOL, the accent. Social programs are not socialism. That is from Spork. Yeah, I would say that that's fair. Not all social programs need to necessarily be socialism. Can you be a radical centrist? Uh, it's no, that's impossible. That's just not possible. Uh, yeah, you can't. Who wants to sit on a fence either? I don't know if there's really much appeal for that, but no, you can't be a radical centrist. If you were a radical centrist, what that would mean is you'd be constantly changing your mind because you would have to deploy the zeal of a radical, which means fully on one one way. So if you're only one way, well, you're not a centrist. So if you're a centrist, that would mean radically choosing, either you'd be bouncing around. So no, you can't be a radical centrist, no. Jason Barrow, I'm good with Trump and ready for four more years. Fantastic. And Art Davis over on Facebook, Brett, the progressives have their faith in man and not in God. Man can fix everything that God is unwilling or, as some of them believe, unable to do. This is a very faulty thinking. Materialism aligns with science. They believe that man can fix the whole world through his own ambitions. But God says only God can heal the world. That is... I mean, you're bang on. I can't really... I can't find anything there, Art, that... that uh, can't. You're bang on. Bang on. Now, and I'm not necessarily agreeing and taking the side of God, though I'm predisposed to believe in God and stuff like that. You nailed that, though. Nailed it. Nailed it. And okay, so uh, I think uh, that is good on Facebook and on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I've, the the. The conversation on YouTube has turned into uh, the Vegas-based uh, Vegas pro-military heavy metal band Five Finger Death Punch, courtesy of Chola, Chola Ranch. I know I've overstayed my welcome when Chola is starting to talk about the Five Finger Death Punch. So, awesome folks. Uh, I don't know. I might, I might put these videos unlisted just to be safe for both YouTube and Facebook for the time being. Um, if I do that, uh, I'll download them, I'll get them up to Vimeo, and then maybe I'll get them up on my site or something. But just right now, I don't know. 
I don't know. Ad account completely, totally disabled, or like crushed from Facebook. That really, truly hurts. That's five years of building a reputation as a responsible content creator and advertiser. Just so you know, Facebook added into their terms, which I didn't know because I don't read it every time they update it. But in their terms now, it says that if uh, your ad, which a boost when I boost a video, so when I run a boosted ad against a video, that's an ad. When I pay to have our video go out and reach a wider audience, that's an ad. So they have in their ad policies now that says if the ad in any way contravenes on an issue, a subject that their third-party fact-checkers have debunked, then that can get your ad account canceled. So that's fucked. That's just fucked. Because these third-party fact-checkers are all leftists. Leftist pro. I mean, we know that. You didn't hire any conservative. Uh, you, you write anything on climate change that goes on Facebook. If you get a couple of people flagging it, it immediately goes to the fact checkers and you just get hammered by Facebook. So our Maxime Bernier video last week had climate scare in the headline. So, of course, I don't necessarily mean with that headline that I believe in climate change. So could it have been that? Could have been just the mere fact that their third-party fact-checkers have totally deemed that there is no other position on climate change besides the fact that it's real and it's happening. And thus, if you do say that, then you infringe on Facebook's uh, uh, new policies. That's, that's, what the, that's what it says. Now, Facebook said that it was for consistent abuse over years, like over time. Well, that's all vaping stuff. Well... I'm sure there's plenty of Stanton Glance uh, papers out there that have been used by fact-checkers to debunk vaping. Of course. So I think they retroactively, like good little communists, have gone through uh, our ad account and looked at our content and said, oh, we don't care that we approved this years ago. It infringes now. <coughs> our third-party fact-checkers say that's debunked. <coughs> and we cancel your ad account. You are unworthy. All right, kids, on that note, uh, if you haven't already had a chance to, please do go to support.regulatorwatch.com. I want to steal your money. I'm not a leftist, so I don't have the power of government to come and pry your dollars from your cold, dead hands. Now, I would like to do that, but I can't do that because, of course, I also have morals and a few other things that separates me from the left. So if you do get a chance, I would appreciate it. And that is all for this one. Thank you very much.